Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Rene Vangustin, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today we'll take a look at whether China could be set for a travel boom, and we'll also review the latest on TikTok, the short video sensation that American teens love. But of politicians are less thrilled about. So we'll start with travel, which has suddenly become the talk of the town in China with the end of zero COVID. For anyone not in China, domestic travel in the country has been crippled for much of this year due to a wide range of restrictions designed to keep people at home to avoid spreading the virus. Most of you know that all of that came to an abrupt end earlier this month with the ending of zero COVID. Many travel companies are issuing new data showing a surge in travel interest. Case in point came from aviation data company Veriflight, which showed domestic flights in China surged to around 65% of pre-pandemic levels by mid-December, a huge jump from just 22% at the end of November. So, Renee, one of the biggest travel periods for China has always been the Lunar New Year holiday, which starts this year on January 22nd. After relatively muted travel over the holiday period these last two years, do you see a return to more pre-COVID patterns in the upcoming year of the rabbit? I think that the desire is certainly、uh, going to be there. On one hand, on the other hand,、um, what I understand from talking to friends and and other contacts in China. Particularly Shanghai, Beijing, is that a lot of Chinese people right now, at least, are、um, very afraid of actually going out、um, for reasons that are not absolutely imperative, such as working or、um, you know shopping for essentials,、um, having been told for almost three years now that they should be very afraid of the virus.、Um, So I think that you've got you've got both sides of the equation here. This being said, yes, Chinese New Year is obviously extremely important in China. You may remember that about two years ago, and the Chinese government actually strongly recommended to、uh, people that they do not travel at all for Chinese New Year, and a lot of people did not. For Chinese New Year this year, 2022, governments issued about the same recommendations, but people travelled a lot more than the previous year. So, if you watch that and you look at it, you would expect that definitely、uh, in about a month from now, for Chinese New Year 2023,、uh, there will be more people、uh, travelling. This is a very important time in China and in Chinese culture, where family obviously、uh, reunite. And people travel increasingly across the country to do that. It's a bit akin, on a much bigger、uh, scale, obviously, than Thanksgiving in the U.S. So yes, you would expect that. On the other hand, just a small caveat: a lot of movements of people traveling for Chinese New Year in the past、um, was the result of migrant workers who、uh, were going back from the big cities in China where they were employed. To their hometowns. My understanding is that this year, in particular, with the successive waves of 
COVID outbreaks and especially uh, the Shanghai lockdowns for such a long time, there are fewer migrants right now in some of the big cities and therefore they went back home, they stayed home, so they would not be part of, uh, you know, the traveling pattern for Chinese New Year as much as uh, certainly pre-COVID. Right. Actually, I've noticed that, too. I think uh, Shanghai streets have cleared out early. I know uh, at the university near me, uh, they they sent all the students home. You know, uh, they finished classes up a a few weeks early and everything. So I guess maybe we won't see the same crush that we saw last. Well, we haven't seen for a few years now, but uh, in 2019 and, and earlier. Okay, well, domestic travels bounce back, or or it is bouncing back, I guess. I want to talk next about international travel, which is still really sort of on life support, uh, largely because international flights are still a fraction of where they were pre-pandemic. Do you see this changing anytime soon? And when do you expect we'll see droves of Chinese tourists traveling to international destinations again? Well, the first thing you um, alluded to it uh, already, the first thing that obviously needs to happen is more flights in and out of China, especially by foreign airlines. And uh, uh, you will remember that over the last two years, pretty much, most foreign airlines canceled all their flights to China. For two reasons. One, the Chinese government limited the number of flights that could come into China, uh, similarly to the you know reciprocal arrangements that made, for instance, the number of flights coming from China into the U.S. very limited as well. But also, you know, foreign airlines looked at the economics of continuing to fly when basically so few people were traveling and decided that it wasn't worth spending money on that and basically canceled all their flights. So if you look at the U.S. today into China, other than a few flights a week by two or three Chinese airlines, uh, there are no direct nonstop flights between the U.S. and China. I have heard rumors that United Airlines, for instance, and American Airlines, might uh, resume uh, non-stop flights or direct flights to China from the U.S. in the early part of 2023. But I have not seen anything concrete yet to that effect. And it's a little bit similar as far as European airlines are concerned. So you need to see that happen first, because I think that even if Chinese airlines are allowed to or want to put up more flights to the rest of the world, In terms of reciprocity, I think that the U.S. certainly would not allow a substantial jump in the number of flights unless there is a similar increase in flights to China by U.S. airlines. Right. And I guess one thing uh, you didn't mention, uh, and I don't know how many of our listeners would know, but dreaded circuit breaker, which was just horrible, I think, for the uh, foreign carriers. Um, Right. That was where, you know, if they had a a flight that had more than like five or six COVID cases on it, they had to stop their flight for three or four weeks or something like that. And that, you know, just made it really difficult to plan and it, it just made everything real messy. But anyhow, that's been, I think it's been officially eliminated, right? That's my understanding. But, you know, very quickly, uh, Hong Kong had the same uh, circuit breakers in place and they gave them up earlier and still you don't have any U.S. airline right now flying 
directly to Hong Kong. I think that the foreign airlines are a bit wary of restarting something and then basically being hit by restrictions again Hmm. in case COVID gets out of control in China. I guess the one big variable could be if a new variant emerges that, I guess, has more potential to cause problems. Right. And there are talks actually about new variants in Asia. I haven't seen that about China, but definitely there talk about new variants in Asia. And uh, who knows? Who knows what might happen? But I think that in business, nobody, no CEO ever wants to have to deal with unpredictable circumstances, right? So I think that uh, they will want, before they restart or resume full operations, they're going to want to see uh, a period of time that, that indicates that things are really going back to normal and that they're not going to get caught off guard. Right. Well, I guess we also could argue that uh, winter months is sort of a slow travel season, so maybe they'll be watching that and then you know start to add stuff back uh, come the bigger you know spring and summer travel. All right. Uh, next, we're going to move on to TikTok, which never seems to catch a break these days, at least not in the U.S. The short video app, which is owned by China's ByteDance, is incredibly popular among American youth, perhaps even more so than Instagram or Snap or any of the local homegrown uh, apps, which is probably why politicians are starting to worry about its Chinese roots, since that could give Beijing an entry to influencing this hugely important demographic. So the latest wrinkle in that story saw three U.S. politicians, including our favorite uh, Marco Rubio, introduced legislation earlier this month that could eventually ban TikTok in the U.S. So this isn't the first time U.S. politicians have tried to take action against TikTok. Uh, Some people out there might recall that Donald Trump tried to force ByteDance to sell the service to an American owner during his presidency. So, Renee, uh, any thoughts on what are the chances of success for this latest legislative attack in in particular? Well. First of all, um, this is a bipartisan effort in the U.S., and, and, and that's always important to highlight that because, as we all know, U.S. politics can be extremely partisan, <laughs> and when you only have one side doing something, the chances of success are fairly limited. But in this case, uh, it is a bipartisan effort. Number two, certain the governors of certain states have actually passed regulation that prohibits civil servants, so in other words, employees of their government, to have the TikTok app on their smartphones. And I think that there's a parallel effort now uh, in Congress as well to apply that at least to the U.S. Congress and the people who work for the U.S. government. So that's, that's one thing. The second observation is that uh, the U.S. is an extremely complex environment, especially when it comes to freedom of expression and when it comes to laws and regulations, and all the way up to the Constitution and the guarantee of free speech and so on. So TikTok would, Biden's, would inevitably have uh, some opportunities to appeal any measure that would not be absolutely cast in stone and fully in conformity with uh, with 
laws and uh, of the United States and regulations and so on. So just to accomplish that, I think, is, is going to take quite a while. This being said, it is extremely popular with U.S. youth. It is becoming alarming, though, not just to politicians, but also to a growing number of parents in the U.S. because of some of the things that happen on TikTok and reports that some of the challenges that have been pushed around on TikTok have actually caused some young people to die. So I think it's now going to take potentially another dimension than just the political issues of, uh, you know, the Chinese government having a channel to influence young people in the U.S. But I think it's going to take time to play out anyhow. Okay. That's my next question sort of is, you know, even if this particular law doesn't happen, because a lot of these laws often seem like a bit of grandstanding. There does seem to be growing consensus that, that having a Chinese company own such an influential app in the U.S. does present a certain national security risk. I think we could probably all agree that China would very unlikely feel very comfortable about having you know, a U.S.-owned app in the same position in China. It is completely uncomfortable with that concept. Right, right. They wouldn't allow something like that in China. Right. So... So it's sort of understandable why the U.S. might feel that way. But how do you see this all playing out? You said it'll be a long, drawn-out process, but technically, a ByteDance right could sell it. They could uh, hive it off into a separate company, you know, that's completely independent. Um, there are a, a few different options. Obviously, they could ban it, and and it, it wouldn't have any choice. But uh, any thoughts on sort of how this might all play out? Yeah, they could do this. They could do that. They could have done this and they could have done that. I mean, uh, go back three, four years when uh, President Trump took the action that, that he took, that would have been a perfect time for Biden to find a solution or implement a solution to completely hive off into an absolutely independent, secure from a data standpoint environment and so on. But they chose not to do it. That's a fact. Hmm. So I'm not too sure that they're necessarily inclined to doing that. They have had enough time to do it if they wanted to do it, which I think is one of the issues that some politicians have uh, with it. So I do not expect them to change unless they have no choice. And once again, um, you know, the U.S. legal environment, constitutional environment is, is fairly complex. Unlike China, where ultimately one person may decide, can decide to accept this or, or not accept this, the system works very differently in the U.S. And sometimes, at least personally, I have a suspicion that TikTok slash Biden basically count on that to just do nothing and keep going. Mm -hmm. All right. So I guess they could... Uh... Let things drag out, although it's not going to win them too many friends on Capitol Hill. I guess they have lots of friends on uh, social media. Yeah, I think, you know, you have to look at the economics of this thing. And, uh, and, and on one hand, you look at Capitol Hill and you assess what the true risk is there, the extent of it and the timing of it. And on the other hand... I'm sure you're looking at the economics of your business and they're doing just fine. Thank you very much. Hmm. <laughs>
guess it'll take a little product. I don't know if you remember that example of there was a Chinese owner of that company called Grinder, the the gay dating app. Right. Uh, they actually got forced. I don't know if they got forced or just heavily pressured by CFIUS, the the you know the uh, national security regulator, to to sell that a while ago. Yeah, but that's that was a bit different, dog. I think because it was the result of an acquisition. Mm. So uh, the government could then uh, go back to the acquisition and apply CFIUS rules and basically say, oops, sorry, we were not paying attention, but now that we're paying attention, we're telling you that if we had been paying attention, we wouldn't have allowed this. Mm. So please send it back. Biden's slash TikTok is, is a very different case from that standpoint. Right, I guess they built it up themselves. Right. We'll see. I don't think the story has reached an end yet, for sure. Clearly not. All right. Anyhow, thanks, everybody, for listening again this week. Join us next week for another edition of China Inc., when we'll look once more at the latest trending Chinese business topics. Hope to see you then. Goodbye for now. Goodbye. Goodbye.